Hello, and welcome back to Climbing the Castle, your definitive Disney ranking podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Charlie. And today we'll be discussing Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 follows Woody, Buzz Lightyear, and the rest of the gang as they navigate a new adventure. When Bonnie, their owner, creates a toy named Forky, Woody takes it upon himself to guide Forky and tell him the joys of being a toy. However, during a detour, Woody reunites with Bo Peep, a long-lost friend who introduces him to a world where toys can live freely. As Woody questions his loyalty and purpose, Buzz and the other toys embark on a mission to bring Woody back to Bonnie. Along the way, they encounter new characters and learn valuable lessons about self-worth, change, and the power of friendship. Sorry, just hearing the word power of friendship makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> no matter what, when it said, I had a sister who, who was obsessed with My Little Pony. The power of friendship. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, all the Toy Stories have been really good. This one's no exception. This might be the weaker of all the Toy Stories, See, but I mean, it's still really good. I don't know. I'm I'm put in a tough spot where I would say it's towards the bottom, but I still feel like I might prefer this over the first Toy Story. I mean, that's fair. This movie is very strange because there's a lot of great things about it, but there's also a lot of issues with it as well. And there's, and then a, lot there's of, a lot like, of just weird points to it, but there's also just a lot of like similarities to all the other Toy Story movies yes. where someone has to get rescued. I agree. I mean, we were just talking about this last week with The Incredibles 2. I said it was exactly the same storyline as the first Incredibles. And I feel like it's very similar to the case here. But I feel like Toy Story does it a little better, though. Yeah. When we, it comes we to having the same story. This. Because it's it, still different enough. It is the same exact plot line for the most part, but they, they're able to change the story itself enough to, to make it feel different. But there's still, I don't know, there's just some things they could have done a little bit differently here, I feel, that would have been able to push this to the next level. But overall, a still pretty solid movie. I do have our fun facts as usual. Um, All right, then let's get into it. I have a couple of it. long ones and some quick ones and... Some stuff that's all over the place, so we'll see how this goes. Let's do it. When Bo Peep gets taken away, the car driven by the new owners has the license plate RMR F97. It's sort of a meta Toy Story 2 reference, whereas if you remember in Toy Story 2, the second film was pretty much deleted by a code by the Pixar in the main servers. This license plate references the computer command that actually erased the movie with the RMF standing for removing files. And it so they, they kind of took a jab at That's yeah. kind of funny. That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, let's take this thing that nearly ruined our movie. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it into one of our movies just as a joke. It's pretty genius. I love the fact that they're 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 willing to just go with that and not like shy away from doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Forky, the craft spork toy made by the film's kindergarten child Bonnie, wasn't designed solely by computer or on the drawing board. Instead, in an exercise nodding to Bonnie's mode of creation, Pixar held a fork shop, a workshop in which crew members created their own real life Forky design models out of pipe cleaners, googly eyes, popsicle sticks, and of course sporks. I like that. Just whoever makes the better uh, Forky wins. <laughs> so they just had a 
everyone get together and gave them all the popsicle sticks and art to pod and thought, here you go create the character whoever whoever makes the best character we're gonna put it in the movie <laughs> I'm curious about how all the others looked yeah i mean there's a lot you can do what even just those basic art supplies mm-hmm. but i do love the design of forky i think it's fun and it's cute but it is hilarious that they're like they just put everyone together and like here you go time to make them here you go arts and crafts time Maybe they did the same with uh, the knife character at, in the credits, the plastic <laughs> knife character, the yeah. female one. Was her name Knifey? Uh, it's not listed in the credits. I don't know. <laughs> I'm calling her Knifey. That's what, I, that's what I call her in my head. <laughs> this is a bit of a long one, so bear with it. <laughs> All right. The casting of the role of Duke Kaboom was accomplished by using a blind audio test containing audio recordings of line reading from Canadian actors played for director Josh Cooley or producers Jonas Rivera and Mark Nielsen. Neither of them knew who which voice belonged to, except for the casting department who know, who recorded these recordings. When they heard Keanu Reeves' voice, they immediately stopped test, realizing it was the right fit. The thing was, it was envisioned only as a gag character. Rivera recalls a Canadian daredevil action figure named Duke Kaboom, a stuntman advocate of evil Knievel's era, who might get a few one-liners. Soon, the John Wick actor pulled up to Emeryville, California studios riding a motorcycle, and he had questions. Is Duke mad at Rajon? Referring to the boy who owned the toy. Is he mad at the TV commercial that popularized him? We were workshopping the character over lunch, and Reeves started to become Duke right in front of us, doing the karate chops and getting on the table at the atrium. People walk by in disbelief. Is that Keanu? <laughs> he became the character, really emoting and getting into it. No different than any other role. By the time the collaboration was complete, Dukaboom was fleshed out, scene-stealing character, all created by Keanu Reeves. I mean, this just shows, you know, everyone thinks of Keanu Reeves as this amazing, like, very dedicated actor, and this just proves it. Yeah. I mean, they Dukaboom, like they said, was just... Uh, filler character basically and he came in there and just created a whole persona for him and created a whole backstory for him which keanu reeves wasn't planned it was a blind it was basically blind auditions they had no clue who it was like before they picked him and they were just going by the voices and they like oh that's the perfect voice and then he just comes in and just takes over the character completely like that's just how keanu is it's great (laughs) one of the greatest actors of our time yeah after scouring local Northern California antique malls and stores and studying how vintage objects age, Pixar Art Department divided the space into individual set dressings units to handle each neighborhood. It took two years to create the antique store and its assortment of collectibles. On top of that, the set shading teams went to work on aging all the hard surfaces, particularly metal, glass, and wood. Micro detail was important for cracks, scratches, sun exposure, fading and other defining characteristics. And when it came to cobwebs, an animator came up with a software program with artificial spiders that spun a series of intricate webs. For the rest of the dust, they used a simulation software package. I mean, it's not uncommon at this point that Disney and Pixar are really putting in those details and really doing their research to put in those details. Yeah. I mean, this just shows how much work they went through to create just one location in this movie. And they put so much effort and detail and, like, little mannerisms into it, like, scratches. and Like, like how long did you say 
two it's years a, two just years to, just to create the antique store itself two years just for one setting one store yeah it's kind of insane mm-hmm. and but it looked good the fact they're, they're coming up with software programs that make spiders to make webs just around to the make store the cobwebs. we don't see any spiders in the movie for those with arachnophobia <laughs> don't no, worry there's, there's no of spider webs as long as and i then... remember there are no spiders but mm. there are spider webs <laughs> it took someone three weeks to figure out how to perfect the look of woody's smushed head on the floor after Don- donnie's dad steps on him so again shows how much detail they're putting to this <laughs> yeah which I mean, I like to think that they took an actual Woody toy, <laughs> just, just kept stepping on his face to be like, "Okay, okay, so there's the this is how the dent looks." Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful chandelier in the scene was the hardest sh- shot to render in the movie. Light reflecting through the glass took upwards of one thousand hours of computer time per frame to render. I mean, I will say the light reflection of light on the chandeliers it looked amazing it did look incredible but a thousand hours per frame is just insane because that's again a frame is one thirtieth of a second <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like i don't it wasn't that long of a scene but i can imagine this taking like a couple of weeks to render <laughs> on its own just for that one small little like 10 second scene or whatever yeah in an early version, the antique store was a huge city that came alive at night, according to the art of Toy Story 4. This toy town revolved around a cutthroat economy where toys bartered and sold parts to repair themselves, all in hopes of being owned by a new child. Okay, I could see that working yeah. really well. It's it's an interesting idea. I think it w- it does sound cool, but it doesn't fit in this movie properly. No. If they would have had it like that, it kind of takes away from Gabby Gabby's character and how she acts, like, like the way she acts. Mm-hmm. And it, there's also just not really enough time to fit that whole concept into this movie with the way they were they were spacing it. But I do enjoy that concept. I enjoy, like, maybe in Toy Story 5, because <laughs> that has been confirmed. Yeah. Which, also, there was a bunch of fun facts about how they wouldn't want to do they weren't didn't want to do Toy Story four unless they had the perfect story or how much they really they thought the end of the story was Toy Story three, and then there was a bunch of them saying that Toy Story four is the end of the story, and now we have Toy Story four five confirmed. So <laughs> yeah, so who knows when Toy Story will actually end? <laughs> could be a five, could be a ten, could be a Toy Story forever. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Comedy legends Carol Burnett, Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, and Buddy White were added to the cast to voice a set of four toys that Bonnie played with as a toddler, but since outgrown, acting as veteran toys to help Woody prepare for when the same happens to him. The unspoken names of these characters' voices by the com- comedian veterans are mashups of their real names and what they are. So you had Mel Fint Brooks, Carol Burnett, Carl Rhinoceros, and Bitey White. We were just talking about this before recording, and I was looking through the cast like, oh, I didn't know Betty White was in this. What's Bitey White? (laughs) So I look it up like, oh, it's a chew toy. (gasps) Oh, I get it. (laughs) I loved it. 
they they just gave these them their their names that are just exactly what they were <laughs> and they actually i wish they would have did more with them but that fun one little scene with them was fun mm-hmm. it, well i was gonna say maybe in the second movie or in the fifth movie but um <laughs> i don't think that'll work out very well rest yeah. in peace betty white while the pizza planet truck does not appear physically it is represented as a tattoo on the carnival worker's leg Seen most prominently as he picks up Buzz. See, uh, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice it either. But I do think that's very interesting that in the Toy Story franchise, where it would be normal for the Pizza Planet truck to be driving around, they didn't include it this time, like as an actual truck. No, it's a tattoo instead. <laughs> that is very interesting. Like, did the dude work there and was like all about it when he first started and was like, yeah, I'm going to get a tattoo because I know some people I work with Sonic and I know some people with Sonic driving tattoos. <laughs> That's hilarious. The first child to attempt to win a toy prize at the carnival and fail was Boo from Monsters, Inc. It was Boo from Monsters, Inc.? Yes. This was right after. Well, I don't know if it was before or after. Buzz gets caught, but there's a little kid that comes running up and starts shooting at the targets and just misses completely, and it's Boo, and you can see her just walking away after she misses the targets. It's a very small piece. She's also in Bonnie's kindergarten class as well. We're going to need to check that out. (laughs) And if there's not a picture of Sully somewhere. I don't know if there's a picture of Sully somewhere, but this is definitely Boo in her kindergarten class and at the carnival as well. I'm going to need a look at that because I didn't notice her. (laughs) All right. One final big piece of information here, and that's all I have. Second Chess Antiques was one of the hardest locations for Toy Story 4 team to create because of all the items that they had to fill out in the cramped secondhand store. Fortunately, at Pixar, we have a big backlog of objects from all of our feature films, production designer Bob Pauly told The Hollywood Reporter. It was a big treasure hunt because we have a lot of interesting history. We we also took the opportunity to plant some fun Easter eggs. The antique store contains over 10,000 individually modeled and shaded objects meticulously positioned to appear as though the store owners placed each one by hand. Now, I have a whole big list of... Easter eggs that can be found in this store if you're paying attention. I mean, let's do this. Uh, among the myriad of shelf- items on the shelves in the antique top, antique shop, Bing Bong's rocket from Inside Out and Ellie's and Carl's house can be seen. Inside a glass cabinet, Eve from Wally can be seen. The diver's mask, P. Sherman from Ner- Finding Nemo can be seen on one of the shelves. The record on the record player in the antique shop has the name of Coco musician Ernesto de la Cruz on it. A scream canister from Monsters, Inc. can be seen on sale. Arlo from the Good Dinosaur is one of the many antiques that are found around. And Ursula's necklace can be found there. Huh. It is reported that every single scene in the antique shop has a hidden Easter egg in the background at some spot. That's interesting. I'll need to go back and look at that too. There's like a bunch of Easter eggs I missed apparently. There's a lot of stuff. I've not the one of the ones that I definitely noticed was the the diver's mask from Finding Nemo. See, really, the only Easter egg visual Easter egg I saw was the Mickey Mouse clock in Indy's room. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, there's 
just a whole treasure trove of items from Disney and Pixar's past that are in the antique shop. And if you just pay attention... The issue is there's so much to pay attention to to begin with. So, like, if you're not focusing on on these small little things, you're not going to notice them. (laughs) Yeah. That is all the fun facts that I have for this week, though. Nothing about A113? There was an A113 reference in there, but it wasn't, like, a a major one, I feel. Uh, Anyways, uh, if you're ready, I'm ready to jump into the scores. Yeah, let's do it. Let's keep moving. All right, and starting for story score, I have an 87. I have an 84 for my story score, so... So there's three points. Yeah. (laughs) But as we said, it's kind of the same as all the other Toy Stories, but still different enough. Yeah. You know, it's not a, like, terrible story. It's still a good story. It's a fun story. I do think there are a lot of issues with it that kind of make no sense and it is like one of those toy story issues where it's like what's a toy (laughs) (laughs) because at this point now a fork and a knife are toys (laughs) uh yeah how forky becomes considered as a toy is questionable what i can make this bottle of febreze i have right here a toy (laughs) just Just... like a googly eye on it and a a mouth (laughs) and it's now alive Again, it doesn't answer any of our questions as to how for, uh, forks, how toys are born. Or well, if, at this point, forks also. Because <laughs> Forky just comes to life out of nowhere. I mean, we know they're made in a factory because... Well, Forky wasn't made in a factory, though. Well, no, but <laughs> all the other toys were. Like, We know that uh, they talked about it in one of the past movies. I don't remember if it was two or three. But also... Or no, it was maybe one. Again, there's weird constitutions of a toy because I honestly don't think that Bo Peep should be considered a toy. No, she's part part of of a lamp. lamp. (laughs) So, like, I don't get why she becomes part of a toy, but that little dump truck that Woody was driving around in to get to the street isn't considered a toy. Here's my thought of a possibility. Maybe it's because these kids have given these toys personalities so once that toy is given a personality by a kid they come to life through some kind of disney magic Uh, but but that's all i can think of it still doesn't make sense though because yeah (laughs) like where's the fairy godmother going okay here you are you're a real boy (laughs) i don't know it just we're never gonna figure out unless they directly go into this, like the the per- the meaning of life speech of like how toys are created and stuff in the next Toy Story. Well, I don't think we're ever gonna have an answer to the question. The next one, or the sixth one, or the seventh <laughs> one, or the eighth one. <laughs> also, how many times are we just gonna open what you got a friend and me and a montage of someone playing with toys? <laughs> Not just someone. It's Andy again. Andy again. Yes. <laughs> like Andy already got rid of. The... I will say it was a nice visual montage seeing is, Andy play nice. with him and, and then like see, be but... an adult and we see him hand like, Woody over to Bonnie but they did the same thing in the past three did they do it in the past three movies they definitely did it in one and they definitely did it in two and they did it in I feel three. like they also did it in three also because they because it was it was uh showing Andy growing up at the beginning so it's like I just how many times are we gonna have that montage going on <laughs> uh Probably in the next one also. (laughs) 
Except I, it's going to be awkward now that Woody's left the gang. Write another song for us, Randy Newman. Come on. You know what you got it in there. Like, give us a different opening song. <laughs> you got a friend somewhere. <laughs> but um, another thing is, how does Andy's mom not see Slinking hanging out the window when they're trying to save RC? Yeah, I don't, I don't get how that happened. Like... She put, she closed the window on it, so she had to have like noticed it. Also, the fact that they like closed perfectly in between the two things and didn't get caught on it at all is yeah, like, that doesn't make sense either. A bit odd, because like she should have had some issues closing that with him being in the way, but she just happened to close it perfectly in between the two rivets of one of his slinky things, and still doesn't even notice. Like. No. Also, as someone who has owned those monkeys, there's no way those monkeys could have held on to Slinky and Woody without breaking apart. Yeah, no. <laughs> they sort of all just like came tumbling out the window together. I'm still confused how many monkeys there are. Because <laughs> <laughs> a normal barrel full of monkeys does not come with all that many monkeys <laughs> to be able to stretch that far, at least. Yeah. Well, even Slinky stretching that far, I feel, like is a bit unbelievable. I had a Slinky dog toy, yeah. and it didn't stretch very far. <laughs> like that, I was a little upset way, about it. All the way down to the floor and out into the driveway, into the street, basically from the window. And like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> but we get that montage again of, or no, we do get to see uh, Bo Peep being taken away, which we didn't get to see in the third movie. Yeah. We just know that Bo Peep's suddenly gone. Yeah, they didn't make a big deal out of it at all until this movie. They just kind of ignored Bo Peep being gone in the in the third movie. Well, it's mentioned briefly, but that's about it. And I mean, we don't get to see what happened to all the other toys like RC. No, the, the army men aren't around either. The army men left during the third movie. Didn't they? At least, uh, like, three of them did. I'm going to guess that the others got destroyed. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few toys that aren't around, but it's kind of tough to keep track of every single toy. <laughs> yeah. But we do get that montage again of Andy playing with his toys, which it's like, okay, we've already had our sad, like, oh, Andy got rid of the toys. We don't need to bring this up where he's playing with the toys again. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's being passed to Bonnie, and Bonnie's playing with Woody like, oh, it's my cowboy, and she loves this toy. The next scene, she doesn't play with Woody, and apparently she hasn't played with him for, what, three weeks? I think it was three days. Just three days? Okay. Yeah. But it's still weird that she would just ignore him like that. I don't know. The fact that she like grabbed all the other toys and then just takes his badge off of him and leaves him in the closet. It puts the weird. badge on Jesse. She can still play with him as like a side character and not keep him as the sheriff. I just don't, it doesn't make sense as to why she would ignore him completely. Especially since she like absolutely loved Woody in the third movie. Yeah. But we also see where Woody's kind of stepping a little bit of boundaries of, well, he's no longer the lead toy. Yeah. But I think he came to terms with that when he was yeah. given there as well. But. I mean, it also, based on this movie, we can see that it's just kind of Bonnie's personality because she gives up on 
the rest of the group and just focus on Forky as soon as Forky is created. Yeah. So like, well, and then I do want to say, Dolly is a mean leader. Uh, I don't know. I think she's got the the right kind of attitude because we she's trying to follow those rules that all the toys are always breaking when they mm. know she's leaving the room and she's about to come back in. Everyone just kind of gives up on the fact of acting like a toy. I mean, yeah, but then Woody will start telling her, she goes, not now, Woody. Do you see I'm trying to threaten them? <laughs> like, okay. That was, yes, it was a bit harsh there. But also, like, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of what was needed because the toys have just basically given up on not getting caught, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. But... On that fact, how did Woody get from a closed closet into a closed backpack within a matter of 30 seconds without getting caught? Without anyone seeing the closet door open or anything like that, yeah. <laughs> I, There's I a lot understand. wrong with that. Because <laughs> he, was, he was in the closet where the door was closed when Bonnie's parents came in and she was crying on the floor. He has to open the closet door, go over to the backpack, open the backpack... Hop in the backpack and close it all within that like like ten seconds they were in there comforting her. Yeah. <laughs> like it should not have been able to happen. But Woody ends up going and that's when Forky is made. But cause that jerk stole the Bonnie's art supplies. Yeah. <laughs> that kid was terrible. Or I think it was more of I don't think he took the art supplies. I think he already had them. And then Bonnie went to go say hi. And then the kid grabbed him and walked off. Well, so the kid's still a jerk. He she, he didn't even need to take those art supplies. I feel like he had his own art supplies at his own table, and he just came over to her table and took hers instead. Yeah. And then she, uh, Woody puts all the supplies for Forky in front of her to make him, which, again, we still don't understand how that works. <laughs> Forky comes alive. Like, and... even the toys are confused that it worked. Even him, he's confused himself. <laughs> like, he's like, look at me talking to a spork. And then one of the eyes dropped. <laughs> Slow turn, and then we get that jump scare, almost pretty much jump scare <laughs> of Forky coming alive. There's a lot of scary aspects to this movie, not just jump scares, though. Yeah. Trash. No, toy. Trash. <laughs> If Forky was so intent on being trash, why did he still only move when Bonnie wasn't looking, though? I know, that... I didn't understand that's that. That's another part of it, like, how do toys know how they're supposed to act? Like, <laughs> is it built into his brain that he can't move in front of Bonnie already? Because <laughs> he, he wasn't moving anytime Bonnie was paying attention to him, but he was really intent on getting in that trash can. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't understand why he didn't just continue to move into the trash can if he's not like technically registered as a toy or he like doesn't feel as a toy which just still doesn't make sense why he's <laughs> able to move around like all the other toys yeah like it's tough <laughs> <laughs> it really <laughs> and then yeah he just i really don't know where to go from there it's just like he's trash <laughs> like he says then everyone else is just so oblivious to him winding up in different places all the time. Her and her parents. Mm -hmm. Like, alright, Bonnie gets a little bit of a leeway because, like, as a kid, you drop your toy somewhere, you don't realize you put it somewhere. Even even me, I'll put something down and think I know where I put it, but didn't. But, like, 
it just happened so much where Forky winds up in a different place than where he last was. Like, one of the weirder parts is when he's outside of the RV mm -hmm. while they're looking for him. And the yeah. mom finds him just, him and Woody, just outside. Yeah. I don't understand how he would have wound up. Even when he's off to bed, the first time when he falls off to bed and Woody throws him up there, when Bonnie's dad is right there. Bonnie's dad should have been able to see him, like him on the bed when he first got there, and then all of a sudden he's on like he's not there, and then he's on the bed. Uh huh. Or maybe it's more of a, oh hey, maybe I just overlooked it kind of thing because I do that sometimes. Yeah. Where I'm like trying to look for something, I'm looking for something that's right there in front of me, in plain like sight. When they thought he was in the backpack the whole time when he was at the thrift store. Mm hmm. But they spent the entire day trying to find him. You would think they picked that backpack apart multiple times before they left for the antique store. So they should have known he wasn't in there to begin with. Yeah. And then when they get back, oh, look, he's been in here the whole time. <laughs> and speaking of always looking for Forky, why was she never looking for Woody? Because <laughs> she didn't care about Woody. She only cared about Forky. <laughs> she didn't care about That's any like... of the toys at that point, it seemed like. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, also Woody cannot let go of Andy. No. Like, Andy was his first kid. Well, Andy wasn't his first kid. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know. He was he from the 50s. He doesn't mention any other kids, so. But he was from the 50s. So well, like, when do, do these movies actually take place, though? The 90s, from what I read. What I, I read some kind of theory. I don't know if it was a theory. Well, then maybe Woody a... didn't really get purchased until the 90s there is i will say this one of the big theories is that woody was andy's father's toy that's like one of the main theories that i've seen posted many places and it's like a big thing is that he was andy's dad's toy and he was passed down to andy that would kind of make sense actually Which, that does that would make sense and like no one knows the whole story of like what happened or where his father is or why woody doesn't really remember anything or talk about it or whatever so there could have been like some kind of big thing that happened that Woody just like blocked it out of his memory or something but yeah Woody is well, obviously from the 50s and he actually states that this time because what's her name Gabby Gabby says she was also from the 50s mm -hmm. we don't really have any backstory behind that so I really do like how uh, Woody was able to convince Forky to go back to Bonnie. Yes. When... Like, I'm her trash. <laughs> that was a great comparison. <laughs> Which, that was the point where I started liking Forky. Because at first I was like, okay, this is just going to get annoying. Him keeping, keep trying to throw himself away. He also kind of like became sentient out of nowhere though. Because like up until that point, he was just like, he barely even was saying trash. And then he was just forming full sentences out of nowhere. Yeah trash and then it, he really started speaking once he was going on that rant like i was made for soups salads maybe chili yeah that was like the changing point in him and he just like grew up all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and then, i mean i kind of started liking him at that point <laughs> also he probably learned quite a bit from woody in that long walk that they had back to the rv camp which, yeah, so Woody basically told probably the whole, all the stories from one to three. 
Yeah. Because we mentioned he mentioned how he, uh, Buzz Lightyear thought that Andy's room was another planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, wow, I'd find that very annoying. <laughs> Woody was agreeing with him. <laughs> but this walk, I feel like they shouldn't have been able to make this walk though to catch up to them, though. No, not at all. Because they said it was 5.3 miles to, to the RV center. For and us like, humans, that is fine. As a human, yeah. As a human, that would be like a couple hours, maybe, if even. Maybe like two hours. Maybe not even that long. Depends on your speed you're walking in. Yeah, but, maybe just a little over an hour. But for a toy with, who's so small and their steps they're taking... For I a feel toy, like, let's either triple or quadruple that time. I feel like there's no way they shouldn't have been able to walk back to the, the RV park in time to before that. Well, that's when they get to the... They finally do get back to there and they find the antique store, which I don't think I've ever seen an antique store with a mail slot on the door. That just seemed very convenient for them to get in. I mean, who knows? Because I have sto- seen other buildings besides houses with a mail slot. I don't know. I feel like I don't really see any stores that have So a maybe mail it slot just in. depends on when the building was made. That's possible. But it was convenient for them to be able to slip in. <laughs> and I don't know. I think it's a bit much that lights from the building kind of captured Woody's attention in that kind of shock. I don't know. Oh, he saw the lamp that was whipped. Well, he didn't really look to see oh, that peep. it was the lamp until he saw the lights on the ground. The light reflection. Yeah, but they were different light reflections. It's not like it was an average light reflection you would normally see coming from a building, no? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like that would have been intriguing enough to at least look to see what it was, and that's when he sees the lamp, which would have been Bo Peep's lamp. I think one thing to fix that, though, is to like show that reflection at the beginning of the movie. So that Woody has this like familiarity about it. Yeah, that that could have been done. But I mean, he's still able to recognize that it's Bo Peeps. Yeah, and then they go and looking for her, which they find the creepy dummy instead. God, it is so creepy. Why did they have to make four of them? <laughs> Because that was the creepier part. Like, at first, the dummy's like, okay, this is a little creepy, like the baby in the third movie. Yeah. But then suddenly, here comes one to the side from the dark. Here comes another front from the I, side. I really love the way they set that whole thing up, though. It was a great, like, setup for them. <laughs> it was terrifying. I'm not going to be able to sleep properly because of that. <laughs> that was the whole point. That was perfect. <laughs> and then we get introduced to Gabby Gabby, who is. Technically a villain. Villain, but we can go ahead and get to the plot twist, I think. Yeah, I mean... Where it's... I mean, we've had this the plot twist before where we think, oh, this is going to be a nice character. Oh, it's the villain. We kind of figured already that was villain. But the plot twist is actually kind of more so that Gabby Gabby's actually a really nice and caring toy. Yeah. I I was going to say, I feel like this was the first time we had, like, a villain's redemption arc, but we've, we have seen it a few times before in the past, but it does stand out here, and they do a really jo- good job of setting it up and, and, like, making it happen here. The last time I can really because... think of where the we had a villain redemption arc was Treasure Planet. Well, Treasure Planet, also Raya was another one. Where that, Raya, like, when yeah. I, when I was looking through the list, Treasure Planet was also another one. 
Uh, there was a few others when I was looking through the list because I like there wasn't really anything that stu stood out to me when I first thought about it, and then as as I like really started thinking about it, yeah, we've had a few redemption arcs, but the thing about redemption arcs is they're so hard to pull off and make it done well, and they really did such a great job with this one. I feel as well to to make it believable and make it like a story that makes sense mm -hmm. and like a, I mean. Like, now the toys all trust her and are like, hey, come with me. You can come to Bonnie. Mm -hmm. And then instead, she sees this lost kid and she decides to help her instead and it pays off. That was such a brilliant way to close that story with, with that arc. And I think it was just a perfect send-off for Gabby. And like, it's no longer Gabby trying to find a toy. It's the toy that needs to be found by the child. And it just shows like the whole seek like turn around in her and it's not like it's not only about her it's about the child as well mm -hmm. the whole inner voice thing <laughs> buzz knows that these quotes come out of him whenever he pushes a button why does he suddenly think that's his inner voice <laughs> uh, he also didn't know a lot of stuff though he's still kind of oblivious to certain toy stuff i feel yeah so like, but also, how does he suddenly get a whole bunch of new voice lines out of nowhere? I mean, Woody had some new voice lines also. Well, he had like one or two. Yeah, but Buzz but, had several. Buzz had way more than we should have been getting. Like, there shouldn't be that many voice lines attached to him. Or like ones that we haven't heard, at least, from Especially him pressing the same Especially since one buttons. of them apparently plays the same thing. The what? One plays the same thing. Yeah. Otherwise, whenever he's rolling down, you wouldn't constantly hear buzz, buzz, yeah. buzz, 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 <laughs> buzz, buzz. But I, I just don't understand where all these extra voice lines came from, though, that we've never heard before. <laughs> Haven't you heard of DLC? <laughs> yeah, <there's no laughs> they have those for toys now, right? <laughs> not, not, not yet. <laughs> Maybe in the future, but not these toys. <laughs> but he was using that as his random, as his, uh, inner voice and other other toys are like buzz are you stupid that's just a button you're pushing even mr potato head should have made a crack about that <laughs> i agree it's funny because like your your joke about the dlc for toy the voice lines it technically works for like the older dolls like woody and bonnie uh, not bonnie uh gabby who had the little records inside uh -huh. of their voice box where you can probably just buy a bunch of different records and have them say different things and replace the records. Yeah. But not with the newer toys. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't understand why Buzz or none of the other toys questioned what was going on with that. <laughs> oh, there's all these just random toys at the park, right? Yeah. Which one is something you don't really see. Yeah. I have this same note. <laughs> It's it's kind of odd that all these toys are just being left lying around the park. But it's nice seeing these toys being nicely played with, like the older kids from Toy Story 3. Yes. Like, all these toys are loving it. Yeah. They, they're loving being played by these ra with by these random kids. It's like... And they're being treated well. It's like the people that were waiting in the the room like all the toys that were, they were waiting in the kindergarten room or whatever in toy story 3 but it actually turns out nice for him <laughs> yeah 
But I do still find it weird that, like, all these toys are staying there and not just getting taken away by the kids. Like, if I'm a kid that's coming to a park and I find a cool toy that I'm playing with, I'm most likely not leaving it at the park. Yeah, I'm most likely going to be taking that home with me. Exactly. <laughs> like, I got a cool new toy. This is mine forever now. I found this cool shark boat. <laughs> but that this is where we see Bo Peep again. Which, I mean, we all knew she was going to come back in this movie. Even before it came out in theaters. Probably because of how emphasized it was to see her being taken away in the beginning. Well, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a setup in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> but... But it's kind of nice to see her personality change, so she's not the same Bo Peep. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely changed into a, a, a different character. She's been out on her own. She's had to survive as a, a lost toy this entire time, so it's given this, her, her this whole hardened edge survival-type character to it, which works really well. Mm -hmm. And now she doesn't feel any pain from being broken. Which... I don't understand how she has that much mobility as glass to begin with. Like, yeah, she's flexing her arms and like moving, like bending all her, her joints and stuff like that. Like she doesn't have any points of mobility on her as a glass figurine. So I don't, but understand. then again, none of these toys should be mobile. So at this no, point, who knows there's what's There's a going difference on. between like an action toy that like an action figure that has like that, that was a big selling point. That's true. Is like points of mobility, like oh, you can move eight limbs, or you can move them in eight different. You like, can ways. move the arms. Or, or, yeah. Wow. It's a. It was a huge thing. So like, I don't. She doesn't have any of those as a glass figurine. Yet she's still bending her arms and moving her legs and all these like, kind of things. They could have added even just a little bit of detail, yeah. like some screws or something at her. Mm -hmm. Or like elbow even to show like, that it can move. Her arms moving up and down to begin with. Like, adjustable arms. Like, it's not crazy for a lamp figure to be able to be adjusted. You like, just have to put the right visuals on her. Put the right parts on her to make that possible. Also, for the amount of time that she gets thrown around, you would think that she would have been shattered by now as well. Uh, yeah. Because she's, like, jumping and slingshotting and doing all these kinds of bouncing maneuvers. And, like, a real glass figure would not have survived all of that. No. Even her sheep, when they, her sheep take that big fall off of the, the shelf, it only breaks like a little piece off of her sheep. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. I was just going to move on to, uh, you know, turns out Bo Peep was at that antique shop, but she escaped somehow, probably yeah. through the mail slot. Still doesn't make sense, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> she goes back, and I mean, we get that cool stealth scene, basically. When they're trying to rescue Forky. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that backfires, and then she gets her sheep to... Or no. Her sheep to cling on to one of the dummies, and then she has to go chasing after her sheep. I skipped something entirely. <laughs> what did I not write down? Oh, Buzz being taken away and <laughs> made as a prize. I like how that this one dude that doesn't even care about his job at all just picks up this toy out the floor and hangs it up instead of being like oh hey someone lost their buzz lightyear <laughs> nope this is a prize now and then he just pays no attention to it at all to the fact that it and two other prizes just disappear <laughs> oh, i mean by the end of the movie all the prizes disappeared and he didn't even realize it until they were all gone yeah 
No, he still didn't even realize. <laughs> like that whole wall is suddenly empty. I feel like someone should have said something to him at some point throughout the day. Like, no, he has no supervisors walking past at all, or like, hey, where's all your prizes? Oh, I guess they were one. You want because obviously they were. Well, <laughs> even then, he wasn't the one handing them out. No, they were being they were being thrown the onto the counter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The other the other toys were handing him out, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, he's like what the heck? That oblivious that all of the toys got thrown away. He's probably stoned. He probably is. <laughs> but, but I mean, but yeah, Buzz escapes that, and, and then we get two new characters, Bunny and Ducky, who are amazing. Yes, and they catch up to Woody and Bo Peep because <laughs> they somehow know where to find them. Well, because. Buzz saw Woody jumping onto the roof. Oh, I didn't see that part. It's probably while I was looking down at my phone, taking a note or something. Yeah, Woody, uh, Buzz was like, oh, now I don't know what to do. And then he, like, presses his voice line for another, like, guidance. And it's some, some, something about looking to the skies. And he looks up and he sees Woody jumping across the rooftop with Bo Peep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, that was very convenient. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a lot of his lines were, for some reason, the right thing to do. <laughs> All of his new voice lines just happened to come out at the exact time that he needed it. To Except hear. for the one where he had to yell at himself. <laughs> Which, no one questioned that weird one. What? Like, what? uh, you left your backpack at the antique store. Yeah, that part bothers me. <laughs> and the body's like, part. I left my backpack at the antique store. And the parents didn't just go, what did that space ranger just say? Yeah, uh, Bonnie's mom was holding Buzz at that point. She should have heard it more than Bonnie should have heard it. <laughs> I don't understand how that was not heard. But there was a lot of things that should have been heard, but no one hears. Like, going back to the scene we were just talking about, the cat causing a whole big commotion in the store, chasing all the toys around, and no one comes and like checks on the cat at all. I'm pretty sure that was just that night. No, and the I cat think, was the only one there. I think the to- the store was still open at that point. Or no, it was like, no, I'm pretty sure. No, because the old lady put the key down by them. Yeah, which was to, also to go help another them. customer. So she still was in yeah, the store. But I think it was at night. No, because they they said, "Oh, that sale's gonna buy us some time." So she was going to help a customer with a sale. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, I swear it was night though. Whenever like the cat broke out the window. It was night after the second like breakout attempt. Mm. The first, the first attempt when they were fighting the cat was in the middle of the day, and the cat oh, yeah, just that should have caused some hissing kind of and screaming and pouncing all around the store, and no one comes to check on the cat at all. Like maybe this cat has a history of being psychotic, <laughs> or them thinking that the cat's psychotic because there's toys moving around, so the cat's really just tasting after the toys. It did go from day to night in that point because it was daytime and then when they go back to Bonnie's dad fixing the flat, it was nighttime. Mm-hmm. And it makes me question, is Bonnie's dad just that incompetent that it took him an entire day to fix the flat higher <laughs> on the on the truck? Or maybe or... they kept poking holes. To... <laughs> or he had to time. order a tire and wait for it. Or But like, I maybe. don't know. <laughs> the fact that it went like an entire day span of him to fix a flat was well, just kind of questionable to me. <laughs> and that's when Buzz screams out, you left your backpack in the, <laughs> in the 
antique store right in front of Ani's mom. Uh oh. But what I did want to say was uh we did get that very sad backstory from Duke Kaboom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't work like the TV said, so my kid didn't want to play with me anymore. I mean that's relatable though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I feel like that's a common thing with toys. If I'm not perfect for someone, they don't want to play with me anymore, so I get it. <laughs> Not what I was talking about. <laughs> I just have to make everything a little depressing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the whole Duke Kaboom backstory. Yes. And then we get that showdown with Benson, and oh, anyway, a, a toy almost dies, almost gets eaten by a cat. Yes. Poor giggles. Well, at least she came back out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then Woody goes back and Gabby starts talking to him like, I just want to be a good toy. And it turns out that, you know, Gabby's not actually all that bad of a toy. Woody agrees and gives her, her his voice box. That was a really touching scene. I really that enjoyed was. that scene. I think that was a great part of this movie. And it, you can really see that Gabby wasn't really trying to be selfish about it. She just didn't know any better, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gabby's not the real villain of this movie. That damn little girl is. <laughs> Who Gabby was wanting to play with this whole time. Harmony. Yeah, Harmony. And the grandma goes, you want to take her home? And we're thinking, she's going to say yes, she's going to say yes. Nah. <laughs> and just tosses her away like, what? No, no, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, it was also weird that the same exact little girl from Gabby's book just happened to be there. I did find that a bit odd. Maybe it's just but... a coincidence that the girl looks like the girl <laughs> in Gabby's book. And maybe that's why it gave Gabby that like connection to her. Yeah. But yes, that's what caused Gabby to have her change of heart. And then Woody was able to get that out of her and like it led to that really touching scene between the two of them. And then... Oh, the unicorn plushie really wanted Bonnie's dad to go to prison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which he should have went to prison, let's be honest. Yeah, for that there's... terrible driving. I mean, yeah, it wasn't his fault, but, but still. There's no way he would have been been able to talk his way out of the cops and just, like, let like, them walk Oh, him yeah, walk my car's just started being weird. My RV, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know what? You can keep driving that RV. You yeah. have a good one. Even if they if they somehow believed the story of, like, it was the car ha- like doing it, and like made him drive all the way into the middle of a like busy carnival ground with people around and like in this very dangerous spot there's no way the cops would have just let him drive get back in that vehicle and drive off in it afterwards well as the case with all disney and pixar movies <laughs> officers guards all that suck they would have had they should have had this vehicle taken away and inspected and like looked at and nope the it's it's safe to drive now i want to know how he got out got away with that because like how much did he pay the officer (laughs) there's no way he should have been able to just walk away from an event like that driving into the middle of a fairgrounds running away from the cops the reckless driving that he was doing also all right going back because we already skipped another big issue that i had with the movie which was the gps system that got him into that whole situation when they have, was this Spidey White? No, that wasn't Spidey no, White. Trixie. It was 
this was the Trixie, the Triceratops, mm-hmm. was stepping on the gas and acting like the GPS. Unless they hacked the GPS, it should have been very obvious that it wasn't the actual GPS giving directions. They even mentioned, wow, the voice is weird. But if your GPS starts acting up, you're going to look at the GPS and you'll notice that it's, it'll, it'll say redirecting or changing or whatever. Yeah, like, like the visuals of like, like, the GPS did not change. Nothing changed on the GPS. The GPS should have been rerouting as soon as he started taking different turns and like spewing out other directions. Like that's just not how a GPS system works at all. <laughs> but they're going to listen to the voice because I guess they don't want to look at that little screen. <laughs> and then Trixie even says no at some point when he's when he's <laughs> she like responds to one of the questions. Yeah. He's about to miss the turn that she's trying to make him take it. And she goes, turn now. <laughs> like nothing seems suspicious about this. No, he's just going along with it. <laughs> but now going back to where we were, we do get that touching scene with Gabby, hoping yeah. that lost little girl. And that mm. was extremely touching. It was very sweet. Yeah. It was, and again, like I said before, it was a great way to close out Gabby's story and full, bring her her story full circle with her character. And then here we go, thinking that we're closing the entire story out by Woody saying goodbye to Bo. And then Buzz tells him to listen to his inner voice, and Woody goes running back to Bo for mm. another plot twist. Woody's leaving the gang. Yeah, which... I mean, I don't blame him at this point. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie was ignoring him. Like, Bonnie doesn't even question afterward. Like, huh, I can't find Woody anymore. Bonnie doesn't even acknowledge his existence anymore <laughs> at this point. Like, it's a wonder he was even invited onto that vacation. Like, did he have to put himself in the bag? He probably did put Bonnie himself. Take him? he, he probably had to put himself in there. <laughs> but then we get to see... Woody and Bo just being together like they're meant to be. So now, is Toy Story 5 going to pick up with the story of Woody and Bo? Or From is it what gonna... I've read, Buzz Lightyear is still going to be in it. <laughs> so who knows if Woody and Bo will be in Toy Story 5? And maybe they'll focus more on Buzz and the rest of them? Or maybe Woody will make some kind of random return? I keep saying this in the previous sequels that they just if they're going to continue with the franchise just give us a new group of toys we've already closed out woody's story three times now there's no need to keep going with this at all give us a different kid and a different there's so many different possibilities of stories that you can tell in this universe yeah like what happened to that he-man toy (laughs) why have we not seen stretch armstrong yet Ken disappeared completely, and Barbie are nowhere yeah. to be found. <laughs> well, they're too busy in the Barbie movie, so. <laughs> well, no, Ken and Barbie stayed oh, yeah, at stay- the preschool. They did stay at the preschool, but again. That's why we don't see them anymore. There's still thousands of p- toys that you can focus the story on, even new sto- new toys. You can focus on a brand new toy. And like, brand- again, I want to see Stretch Armstrong in one of these toys. <laughs> In one of these <laughs> he would be very valuable to the team. Yeah. Or maybe they'll just continue with Forky and Knifey. <laughs> Which, also, who gives a first grader a plastic knife? 
not even a first grader, a kindergartner. No, because that was, I think that was the first, that they were saying that was the first day of first grade. No, I think it was the first day of, no, it was the official first day of kindergarten. Mm. That first thought, day when she made Forky was orientation. I know it was orientation, but I thought I also remember them saying that she was in first grade now. When no, I'm pretty sure happened. it was the first day of actual kindergarten. Either way, who's letting Either a way. first grader or a kindergartner have a plastic knife? <laughs> yeah. Neither one of those should have a plastic knife, even though it's plastic. Even though it's, yeah, it's one of those dull plastic knives. There's no reason. <laughs> but now Forky's got a wife, maybe. <laughs> we still don't know what's going on with Buzz and Jesse. <laughs> if Forky can keep Knifey out of the trash. <laughs> trash? No. We are all beautiful toys. <laughs> How am I alive? I don't know. <laughs> That's one of the best end credit scenes I've ever seen. It was great. <laughs> uh, but again, it's still a really good story, even though it's a lot of stuff we've already seen and there's still issues. It is. It's fun. There's, there's Again, they could have handled some things a little bit better, but they also did a lot of great things with it. So it's and- like... Even with all the flaws, it was still easy to at least follow. Yes. It wasn't like it dragged on or it was like... Or it wasn't all over the place. I will say they could have done a bit better. Like, it did kind of jump around a little bit between the stories. But that's a common thing, I feel like, in a Toy Story universe. Because it's usually Mm -hmm. jumping between Buzz's story and Woody's story. Or, in this case, it's Forky's and then Woody's, and then Buzz's, and then... And then they eventually all get together. Bo Peep. So, I mean, again, it does follow that same thing, and I feel like they're still handling it well, but again, there's, at some point, it's just a bit too much going on in certain points. Yeah. But overall, it's still entertaining. It's not like it's dragging on. Again, our scores are in the 80s, so those are good scores. Yeah. Again, I would say... I feel like this is towards the bottom of the franchise, but still not a bad movie and still maybe a little bit better than Toy Story 1. <laughs> maybe. Are we ready to move to characters then? Yeah, let's go and move on to characters. My characters, I have an 86. I'm a bit different. I have mine at a 94. Okay, so quite a bit of a difference there. But I think my issue is we don't get too much of a difference from some of the characters that we've seen in the past. And like, like what gave me a higher score for it was actually the new characters and the returning of Bo Peep because I like Bo Peep's character in this movie. I I do enjoy Bo Peep's character and Gabby Gabby honestly was like I said that whole story and character that arc redemption they had with her arc was great and, and it then was well done. Bunny and Ducky were absolutely hilarious. They were, and then Forky grew on me throughout the movie. Forky was fun. I enjoyed Forky from the beginning. Just his his trash. <laughs> no, no toys. Tool. And he's trying to say it. Tour. Tool. Trash. I think he was fun, and he added again. This goes back to character. Like Forky added a lot to Woody's character here, mm-hmm. but it also played off of some of the other characters, and Woody just. Same old Woody for the most part. He, yeah, still he starts same old, off like strong. headstrong. And... He starts off being good again, and then he just kind of reverts back to his old... Like, back to 
oh hey i don't care how everyone else is feeling we're yeah. gonna get this done mm-hmm. and it's just that constant back and forth battle that we have with woody and it's like i try we try to love woody and we do love woody but he just gets a bit too much at some points yeah and then buzz is still like he's still confused about the whole being a toy thing yeah what's this kind of goes back to like toy story one buzz where he's figuring himself out and learning about himself it was which is weird because it was like a, a kind of regression in his character coming mm-hmm. off of like well also in toy story 3 he gets reset but then his memories get jogged back but yeah so maybe he's still working on some of that a bit and that's where it comes into play but i don't know it's just kind of like a step back and buzz's character feels but and then duke kaboom and giggle mcdimples they were fine characters they didn't do a whole lot story-wise but yeah i think they had a lot more room for giggle to do some stuff yeah but the little bit of room they had a little bit of time they had they still did pretty decent with i mean the fact that they gave duke a whole backstory and like this whole little piece about him was interesting well, that Keanu Reeves created on his own because yeah, he wanted something to do with the character. Because <laughs> originally Duke Kaboom was just going to be this like a very, very, very minor character. Yeah. That had nothing to do with the story, probably. But and the then Keanu that... Reeves comes in like, nah, we're going to do something. <laughs> and the fact that they were able to create this whole backstory and lore and, and it all worked with the story well is also like... It, they were able to tie it into the story perfectly with the way he was like thinking he wasn't good enough to, to help them. And then he, he has to overcome these obstacles and like... the world's best crasher. <laughs> and then, uh, as we said, Gabby, Gabby's just a great character. I think she's one of my favorites so far out of the entire franchise. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They, they really handled her character so perfectly from the beginning inception of when we meet her to thinking she's this horrifying toy that's gonna like extract Woody's organs and steal it for herself to turning out to be like, oh, she's just scared and afraid and she's been alone her entire life and like it wasn't her fault that she turned out this way and they're able to tell this really compelling story with her and then to see that story played out. And again, she has a lot of influence in Forky as well. Like, mm-hmm. she teaches Forky some stuff, and, like, it also ties back into Woody as well, because Forky explains Woody's situation to her, and that, like, just kind of makes this big loop in the in the story of it. I will say, and this is probably gonna, you're not gonna agree with this at all, but I think Bunny and Ducky were incredible, but I feel like they were a bit too much at some points. Uh, I actually do agree with that. Like they they were a bit obnoxious in certain spots. I love. I Keen, mean, like yes, Keen they PLR. were supposed to be the comic relief, but Keen and Peel are hilarious, and I do like really appreciate them and like their comedic, like them working together, and even in their their own like individual pieces are both just incredible. But there were like certain we just points saw where Keen and just... Michael Key in the Mario movie, and he was hilarious in that. <laughs> There's just certain points where they're just a bit too much, and it's a bit too over the top and they could have just toned it down a little bit yeah like the whole destroying attacking the human thing See, i thought that was hilarious yeah that that was hilarious that part was hilarious to me 
But I mean, the whole time it was just jokes with them. We don't get anything like super serious from them, which would have just even like one scene of them being like extremely serious about something. Yeah, I would have worked. Would have helped Mm -hmm. them out a lot. Like Ed and some guy in a scene about like them being together for their entire lives and wanting to be separated, or some kind of like story along those lines, or like how they've always been with each other. And he could have did that. And that scene when they were all outside after the whole scene, when they're all like, when he thought they were ripped apart or whatever, Mm -hmm. you could have thrown in a little bit of their struggles that they've had together and just made them a bit more relatable as a character. Otherwise, all we know about them is that they've been hanging on that wall for three years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was disappointed that we didn't get more of the one toy from Bonnie's that I really wanted to see more of, which was that Robin Hood porcupine dude the porcupine the shakespearean, the, the shakespearean actor <laughs> like he got like two or three lines and i was like oh, was i wish it. i would have done more with him maybe in the next movie <laughs> since woody's out of the picture i'm guessing maybe who knows who knows what they're gonna do with the next movie <laughs> but um that's all i have for characters yeah i don't have anything else to add to characters either so that's all right then movie. let's move on to visuals i have a 96 I have a 98 for my visuals. Okay. I mean, uh, originally we were thinking, oh, there's nothing special about these visuals. They're just mm, kind of... I wouldn't they're say... Good, they were, just, uh, they were, they're good. It's just there was nothing that really stood out for us to be giving it these like 96 or 98. I would say that I like I had my score in the like the lower to mid 90s originally. It's not that it, nothing stands out, but it's not like incredibly like noticeable as much as like some of the other sto- sto- like movies that we have at this store but the more you look into things and the more you actually pay attention to these visuals is the more that you actually realize how much is actually happening with them and just a little bit of research because dom sent me a video talking about how they actually did camera work with this movie yeah and like different lens effects that just really put a lot of respect on this movie visually for me. Yeah, I mean, I I found this video. I came across it on YouTube, and it was just explaining how they use different like movie film like camera lens effects on certain spots where like they're not using a camera. So the fact that they're actually putting this stuff in there is really impressive. But then, like, the more you pay attention to this stuff as you're watching it, the more you actually realize how much they put into this. And, like, it's not... That's the thing about these visuals is it's not indirect in-your-face beauty. But once you actually stop and pay attention to everything that's happening is when you really notice how much they actually put into this. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go back to the scene when they're walking on the road the first time when it's Forky and Woody, they're walking back to the RV at night, and you pay attention to the road... You can see how much detail they put into the road to make it look like it's just an actual road between all the cracks and lines and the divots and everything. Just the wear and tear from traffic. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of this in the antique store as well. Like I was saying earlier in the fun facts of how much they had, like the wear and tear they had to add to all the items in the antique store and stuff you see around the antique store. Like it took them two years just for that antique store Mm -hmm. 
Like yeah. they created a whole program just to make a spider web, a spider yeah. that spun webs. And... No, th- yeah, they didn't make the program just for the, for the spider <laughs> webs. They made spiders for the spider webs. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at the, all that stuff, it was so incredibly detailed as well. Like when they were cl- crawling through the walls of the antique store and going around, you see all the dust and all the dust particles and like all the stuff, all the like lighting and shadings. Yes. You really noticed that. The lighting was a huge thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Especially the way they had the windows set up. And you notice a lot when they're walking outside of the window, like the windows. And even in the antique store, you see so many different light sources because it's a cluttered store. So there's going to be so many different things abstract. Like, yeah, like if you go to an antique store, nothing's organized in there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be like, mountains of stuff on shelves so the fact that they're they're going through and putting in how the light will be seen over these items or through these items you can really notice it and then that chandelier spot obviously which oh that was beautiful looked incredible the rain looked really good anything with water for disney movies (sighs) looks really good that rain in the beginning scene was just incredible and that puddle that they were dragging that Mm -hmm. uh, rc was getting dragged through Although that's another problem with my story. Why would you leave a cardboard box just sitting on the ground in the rain? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was Especially when something like a lamp is in it. <laughs> it wasn't very smart. <laughs> also, Andy didn't even question Woody being in the middle of the driveway. Still being out there, yeah. Like, why would Woody be there, of all places? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he did just play out there, but he would have remembered to brought Woody in. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, all that rain looked incredible. And then, again, they did a lot of great work to camera movements as well. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, during that whole escape scene, you can see the cameras following. Like, any scene where they're sneaking around or in the uh, antique store. Mm-hmm. Just all of those scenes looked really good. They did a great job of capturing the cat in the antique store as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that first scene when the cat shows up, and there's just a, like the, the beam of light coming through and sitting on the cat from like where the cat is sitting. And you can like, see all... kind of show that nice effect of, hey, look, it's kind of like a spotlight. Yeah. But really, that's probably just where the cat laid down because it was warm and the sunlight left, was coming through. Yeah, the cats love to lay in the sunspots. <laughs> also, Duke's stunt jump looked incredible, too. When oh, yeah. Jumping through and the moon, you can see the moon and the fireworks behind him. Oh, and I know how we talked about we don't we didn't like, you know, the beginning always hearing you've got a friend in me and <laughs> Andy's playing with toys. But I thought it still looked really good, especially that transition of he's playing with the toy. Suddenly he's spinning his arm around because he's, you know, having Woody fly or whatever. Yeah. But it, it turns into him just handing Bonnie the toy. Mm-hmm. That was a very smooth transition. It, it was a great transition. I, I do agree as as. Over that cliche we are, it still looks nice and it's still a fun scene. It's just like, give us something a little bit different instead. Um, That's all I have for visuals. Last things I have was the carnival itself looked really cool. Oh, that's right. Like the lighting from the carnival looked really good. It wasn't as noticeable throughout the movie, but at the end when it's like really when they start showing it off, like when they're... Yeah, whenever it's night and like all the lights are on and... Mm. Like, it's really alive during that time. Yes. 
And then Bunny and Ducky's laser eyes in the credits. <laughs> Visually stunning, too, with all yeah. the explosions. And... Also, that the intro and the outro, the, the Pixar logo, where they used... Well, they put the, the Pixar lamp in the rain in the beginning. I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. And then they and did then Duke Kaboom instead. They had Duke Kaboom at which the ending. We sh- that'll go into atmosphere also for the sound effects because <laughs> it all matched up perfectly. Mm-hmm. With that, I guess we can just transition straight into that the atmosphere then. Yeah, let's do it. I have a 93 for my atmosphere. I have a 92 for my atmosphere. Okay, again, right on top of each other. <laughs> the sound effects were incredible. I think that was one of the standout things again. Toy Story, all the, in all the franchise, like Toy Story franchise, they do a great job of setting up the sound effects and mm-hmm. capturing them. Like, what? <laughs> All toys make some kind of different sound effect, whether it's just some kind of clicking or mm-hmm. hitting like a plastic arm against a wall. Yeah. To Ducky kicking Buzz Lightyear's head and we're getting <laughs> that squeak sound. That was great. <laughs> and uh, then again, as I was talking about, uh, the Duke Kaboom Pixar logo thing mm-hmm. where he's replacing the lamp. We're getting all those sound effects like from the normal thing. And then what is it some dude comes up and high fives him for yeah. like the click yeah it was instead that, of like the light turning off it's yeah with that poor combat carl that kept getting left hanging whenever he was trying to get a high five in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and he, he kept going for a high five and they kept ignoring him and then duke finally gives him the high five the rain sound in the beginning also was really done really well oh yeah when the, that rainstorm was going on and they were rescuing rc they really captured the atmosphere of that whole situation and of course the voice acting was good i mean we have an all-star cast like usual yes voice acting i think they did a great job with obviously returning characters all nailed their stuff and the new new characters did an incredible job i really love gabby gabby how they gave her kind of like a toy voice like she really stayed in character of the doll Mm -hmm. but it really added to the like who who she was and like her personality like we never hear like any other like tone from her voice really like mm-hmm. a menacing tone or something we get that toy doll like sweet tone mm-hmm. from her and we have keen peel who are obviously just just hilarious guys <laughs> and and like to the point where keanu reeves didn't get select didn't necessarily get <laughs> like oh hey we want keanu reeves for this part no he went through a blind audition and they happened to pick his yeah, voice they, they didn't know that who it was when they picked the voice they just heard the voice and like that's him that's the person that we want to be duke Boom. which i think is really good for, especially for the animated movies yeah it's not necessarily that they're picking the biggest stars they're picking the right voices agreed and it just happened to be a big star here and it happened to work out in so many different ways too because he turned his character into so much of a a, yeah but also i feel like if they start doing that with a lot of characters for animated voices yeah i get that sometimes they want a specific voice so they'll go for an actor with that specific voice yeah but that'll get us a whole lot of a whole lot more voice actors out there people who want to voice act like myself who are like wanting to do this kind of stuff mm-hmm. it'll give them a chance also yeah because then we'll get to hear some of these unique voices that could do even better than some of these celebrities that's true 
and then uh the soundtrack you know toy story has a lot of the same soundtrack but it works well with the movies yeah i mean and i'm not necessarily just talking about you know they always have you've got a friend <laughs> me but like even the background music like this one did a really good job with going along with what was going on on screen especially when forky kept trying to throw himself away uh, what the new song can't let you throw yourself away as well the that's another new, one and then the one new song that randy newman wrote for the movie <laughs> hey i thought it was clever to put it in there it was a great song i i i agree and it worked and then it did work perfectly the credit song uh lonesome cowboy yeah fit really well seeing how woody just left and became a lost toy mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it has been a solid scoring throughout all the movies and they again they have a a specific scoring style where they'll each character will have their own like tone of mm-hmm. the music and they follow the, that tone of the music. And of course, a lot of right. times we just hear this Western theme because that's Woody. He's a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Well, um, With that, I'm done with atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, again, not the greatest of atmospheres, but s- solid and strong. I feel. Oh yeah. Moving on to entertainment. Yes. I have mine at a 94. Uh, I have an 86 here, so okay. a bit of a difference again. But This one, it's more understandable for us to have a difference because yeah. this is how we liked a movie. You just... know, it's not the strongest movie out there, but I still really liked it. I thought it was hilarious. I thought that some of the scenes were really cool. I, I did. I had a, It was a lot of fun. I think, for me, this movie just didn't have the same kind of blend as the other Toy Stories did between comedy and drama and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, this had more of the comedy. It was it was there, but they didn't they didn't time it out like right. Like yeah. Toy Story three was a straight up drama for the most part, with a few comedic parts thrown in. Toy Story two was basically a comedy with some dramatic pieces thrown in, and I feel like this was like half and half. But they still didn't understand the ratio of it. Yeah. And, like, they just kind of, like, some of the pieces got lost. Like, some of the comedic stuff got over-pushed a bit. And some of the, like, drama pieces weren't focused on enough. But it I, was still I do want to say I wrote down some of the references Bunny and Ducky made. Yeah. Mostly toward Buzz. <laughs> calling him Astro Boy and telling him that they're going to kick him to a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah. I was. I did love all their plans to get the keys too, and they were kept jumping on the the old lady. <laughs> and they're all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Until the last one, where they let the lady, they let the old lady go home <laughs> and go to sleep. And then after all, and of then that, attack her. I love how after all of that, they she just left the keys right in front of them, and they didn't have to do anything to steal it. <laughs> they're like, uh, yeah, it was very grueling. <laughs> oh, and then at the end with the frogs. What up, Rainbow Connections? <laughs> and then calls one of them Jeremiah. Yes. Because Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> um, and then I, I really liked Forky. Forky was funny also. Yes, all of Forky's stuff was fun. I, I do enjoy the, the progression of him. I think he was and it was a fun take. Also led to a lot of interesting like story pieces and like just different ways to think about stuff again like we were saying that the comparison that Woody Woody made to him being Bonnie's trash mm-hmm. was just a, a genius like metaphor that they came up with on the spot that worked really well and I love the whole Duke Kaboom 
backstory that they threw in there. Like they didn't need to put that in there, but they no, did. No, they didn't. And... But it was appreciated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, not just the comedy, but at Gabby Gabby. Yes. Just that whole like watching her go through that redemption. Mm-hmm. Like, that was and... honestly probably my favorite part of this movie was that whole. Yeah. Like, Gabby Gabby. Like story. it's very touching. It's very sweet. We see, oh, she really does have a kind heart. She's just desperate. Mm-hmm. And then we get a lot of fun stuff between Woody and Bo Peep as well, as Woody's trying to discover who he is. And, and Bo Peep become a bit more uh, witty. Yeah. She's not necessarily that Belle anymore. Mm-hmm. She's grown and she has to stand up for her on her own now. Also, we something we didn't mention at all, but... In, in any of our notes, but I'm going to draw it into entertainment now because they were fun with Bofeep Sheep. I mm-hmm. feel like they were very cute, and they every time they showed up doing stuff was just adorable. What, like Woody trying to guess their names. And then whenever they get to do Kaboom and she mentions her sheep, he goes, oh, Billy Goat and Gruff, those are my girls. <laughs> that, that whole scene was great, too. And when Bo Peep is going on about how someone got themselves caught and He's like, oh, what what idiot went through the middle? Only an idiot would have gotten caught. And then she's like, yeah, right? <laughs> and he goes, oh, it was you? <laughs> and then Woody's like, yeah, I'm just trying to get back to my kid. And Bo Peep's like, uh, uh, no, no. Uh, how about you just show us more poses? I had a kid once. <laughs> then that's when we get into the whole big backstory of him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, it's still a fun movie and it's I wouldn't mind watching it again, like yeah. a whole Toy Story marathon kind of thing. You know, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, Toy Story 4. That's going to be my one to be excited for because I'm probably going to be more excited for two or three. Yeah. But, but I again, mean, it's like I, I would still enjoy it watching yeah, it. It still holds up with the rest of the Toy Story franchise. Let's hope that they can do the same with Toy Story 5. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Because we don't know what they're going to do with the story at this point. <laughs> no, I mean, they were so hesitant on making this one. It took them, what, I think it was like 13 years in between Toy Story 3 and 4 or something like that. And then they were like, oh, we're not going to make Toy Story 4 unless we have a really great idea. And then once they made it, oh, we're done with this story. There's no way we're going to make another Toy Story. And now all of a sudden, we're making another Toy Story. Now suddenly everyone's asking for Toy Story 5 and they're making it. <laughs> Because they know it'll get the money. Yeah. I mean, that's the sad part. is We all know we're going to go see it no matter what. So <laughs> they have us suckered in. Uh, but with that, how about we go and give our overall scores? All right. So, again, for my overall score, this was another movie where I had to change my score and adjust my average because I feel like my average was a bit too high. So my average score was an 89.4 but I lowered it down to an 85.4. See, mine was 92.6. Mm-hmm. But all I did was round it down to 92, just so that it was under Toy Story 1 and 2, which I just realized were tied. <laughs> I mean, as it stands right now, I have Toy Story 1 above Toy Story 4 in my rankings, but that was because I way overscored Toy Story 1. Mm-hmm. And I need to adjust That's the that. same with me, so I'll so, probably adjust that score a little once bit. Once we get into our adjustments, Toy Story 1 is going to be like right under this or like around this. 
I mean, it's not going to be far off from the other Toy Story movies. Yeah. I would say this, like, if I had to rank the Toy Story movies right now, it would be three, two, four, one. That sounds about right. (laughs) With three and two being interchangeable. Yeah, three and two are, like, right there. And then one or four. Well, four probably sits, like, right above one, but also kind of interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Just due to the nostalgia factor of Toy Story 1. But again, these are not terrible movies by no. any chance. It's still a strong franchise. Yep, and they'll just keep moving onward, just like next week's movie. <laughs> Sometimes I really have to push for these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, leadways, but I didn't have a layup for you this time, but <laughs> like I did last week. But, but moving onward, next week's movie is onward. Which I remember just cringing at this movie the whole time. Yeah, I was really disappointed with this movie because I was really excited going into it. I was like, oh, they're finally doing like a Dungeons and Dragons type storyline and it like basis of it and it sounded interesting and it looked cool and then it just fell really flat when I was watching. Well, it. maybe our it hasn't been out for like an extremely long time, but maybe our opinions have changed since then. It was the first digital release from disney and pixar because this went straight to disney plus because this was, came out right in like the middle of when covid was happening and stuff yeah like that. so i remember it came out and i watched it like the day it came out on streaming all excited to watch it and then it's like damn what a disappointment that was yeah i remember not like I'm not going to say it was the worst movie I've ever seen, Home on the Range, but <laughs> it, it still isn't all that great. No. Maybe we'll like it more now. Maybe when we're looking into it, but I don't. I think we're just going to probably dislike it even more <laughs> now that we're actually really looking into it. Yeah. But that is next week. We're almost done with Pixar. We have five movies left after this. Which is insane. Yeah. We're so close to the ending. Which means we really have to start thinking of how we're doing this phase three, because that's where <laughs> we're putting a bunch of miscellaneous movies. Yeah. Maybe we can save the miscellaneous movies for a different season and throw in, like, a mini season. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out. We have a lot of stuff to think about after the season is over. So the break be- breaks between season two and three is going to be a lot longer than the last break. I can tell you that, but... We but nonetheless, have... we will come back because, yes. as we were even telling each other, we're going to have to have our kids continue this on for me <laughs> and then their kids and their kids and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, Char- there's going to be a lot of movies to come. Charlie messaged this. me last night that the Indiana Jones movies just got added to Disney Plus. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. But they're only there as like pro- under property of 21st Century Fox. And I'm like, once we really start running out of Disney movies is when we might start something on that. So that'll be like season 10 or 15 or so. (laughs) But we're never going to run out of content to to have for this podcast. So we're just going to keep going as long as we, you guys are enjoying it, as long as we're enjoying doing it still. So like I, it's been making me real happy for some of y'all to be like, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. Like some of y'all are just our friends yeah or maybe you're people who've never talked to us before mm-hmm. like if you find us feel free to message us be like hey this is what i think you know it doesn't have to be good things you can tell yeah. us what you don't like and I we'll fix getting, it getting feedback from people about 
the podcast and I love when people tell me about what they're listening and what, what they thought of the episodes and stuff and also and why they're mad at us for ranking Dumbo so low. <laughs> Speaking of this, I guess this would be a good time to, to throw this out there. I haven't even told you this at all. But we've hit a low in our listening like viewers and if you haven't noticed listening, the past few episodes haven't had any ads on it at all. It was because they took our monetization away. So we need to up our viewer numbers again to to get our money back again. To start yeah, so please. Again. I mean, yes, we're doing this for fun. We but... are, yes. We're doing it for fun. We don't care about the money. But it's nice to to know that we're able to. to That's a nice little money. bonus. It makes us think, oh, hey, we did good. <laughs> so if you can share this, like show it your friends or share the link and let, push this, put it out there. It would be appreciated because we we are kind of running dry on our listeners again for a bit. <laughs> yeah, just tell them, hey, listen to these two idiots who probably have no idea what they're talking about for Disney movies. <laughs> it's probably how some people have described this podcast. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> just, these guys suck. They put Home on the Range as like the worst movie, but it has a yodeling villain. <laughs> guys, that was the only good part of that movie. Okay. Uh... It was <laughs> <laughs> all right enough enough uh, our jabbering because we've already probably went on a bit too long that is the end of this episode so until next time may all your dreams come true bye <laughs>